0: Or listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will be speaking on divine appointments. The gospel truth is that Jesus is seeking to bring hope and deliverance to a lost world. God has set up a divine appointment for each of us to experience the joy of partnering with Him and seeing the mission and the message of Jesus expressed to our community and to the world. Today, we're going to discover God's part in our role in bringing His love to the city. Our scripture text comes from Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Today's message is entitled, Return to Church, Part 2, Divine Appointments.
1: You know, we use the word chance, and people say lucky or coincidence, and but that's the way the world thinks. The world thinks chance, luck, coincidence, but we're not people who think like the world. We're people who think like God. And when we begin to think like God, we realize that there are no coincidences, there, are n- there is no luck, and there's no such thing as chance. That's why we don't play the lottery. Oh, come on. You're looking at me like, what are you talking about? No, I mean, you're not going to win it anyway. Give it up, save your money, give it to me. Like, like, oh, what's that guy talking about? But this guy, Ted Williams, really had an encounter. I mean, he had an encounter. His life had a divine appointment, and that's what I'm going to talk to you this morning. I'm going to talk to you about divine appointments. This next Sunday, this next Sun, this Sunday, great worship, great services. But next Sunday. Everybody's back in school. We're going for God, and we have our vision banquet. A theme this year is a key to the city, a key to the city. When we started this church, my wife and I founded this church almost 11 years ago. Our mission statement was to bring God's love to the city one person at a time. And I believe that God has given us not just a key, but the keys to this community, to see the hearts and lives of men, women, boys, and girls opened up and a greater dimension than we've ever known and ever seen. And so next week, next, next Sunday night, we're going to talk about, we're going to review the past and how God brought us here and some of the great things that God did this last year. We're going to take a real honest look at exactly where we're at. We're going to get real honest about what's happening, where we're at today. And then we're going to reload for the future. Because I believe the best is yet to come. Come on, can you give God a great big hand clap this morning for me? The best is yet to come. And you guys heard Keith talk about heaven's gates, hell's flames. I believe it's one of the keys that God's going to use in this church, in this, to see God do something that only he can do. And we're going to put on a dramatic production. We've never done this. So everyone say, new... We're going to do something brand new for City Church. Now, this production's been out for quite a while, but for City Church, it's going to be brand new. And on that Sunday, that Sunday morning, that Sunday morning, you're going to come. And we're going to prepare our hearts, and we're going to pray over you and over the actors and all the people that are going to be in the drama and all the people that are going to be serving. We're going to pray and believe God to do something po- powerful. And then we're going to receive a special offering because it costs $4,000. It's a $4,000 production. gonna cost us at least $4,000 to put this production on. And I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your help. Because there are people in this city who need a divine appointment. Everyone say divine appointment. A divine appointment. There are, there are thousands of people. There are thousands of people who need a divine appointment. I'm going to read a story. And we're going to stand. Can I just go ahead and do that right now? Just stand with me as we read our Bibles together. We're going to stand this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. And we are going to believe what I believe probably one of the greatest stories in all of the Bible. I believe that this story is probably one of the greatest stories told in the Bible. I believe that with all my heart. Because this story tells us about the ministry, the mission, and the mandate of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This story most clearly spells out for us in practical ways, what Jesus came to do on this planet. Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse number 1. And the Bible says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Everyone say, passing through. He wasn't going to camp out at Jericho. Jesus had a mission. And Jesus' mission was to go to the cross. This was three days before Jesus would go to Jerusalem, be tried as a criminal, be beaten, battered and bruised and then hung upon a cross to die for the sins of the world three days before the final act of jesus's life you see his mission so clearly you see what he has come to do then look what happens here jesus was passing through and the bible says there was a man there by the name of zacchaeus everyone say zacchaeus and this is all we know about zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy he wanted to see who jesus was but being a short man, everyone says short man. He was a short man and could not because of the crowd. So he had to be a pretty short guy, because probably you know average height for a man in this time was about five foot six, five foot four for an average man. And so most of the men here are giants compared to the men in this day. And so he's probably five feet tall. I mean, he's one. Of the, he's like Danny DeVito size. You know, he's, he's a really short guy. And Jesus, the Bible says he couldn't see. And so he ran ahead and climbed into a a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter. Everyone say mutter. He didn't say putter. He said mutter. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe the pastor did that. I can't believe. And he began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. You know the first thing that Abraham did when he experienced the deliverance of God in the book of Genesis? You know what he did? After he got everything back, he got Lot back, he got his family back, he got his possessions back, you know what he did? He gave a tithe to Melchizedek. He was a son of Abraham because he believed in the God of promise, the God who wanted to bless him. This man too, Zacchaeus, was a son of Abraham. Look at verse number 10. And this is the key verse. This, you ought, if you've got a Bible, you ought to underline this. You ought to write this on your verse. Some of you got to, want to get a tattoo, get this verse tattooed. <laughs> Glenn's like, what are you doing? you got to tattoo everything else on you. My goodness, man, get something real. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Key verse. Key verse, the whole Bible. 66 books. 1,577 pages in my Bible. Key verse right there. That's the central. That's the message. That's the message of hope of our generation. The point this morning, the sinner becomes a seeker who discovers that he's being sought by the Savior. Let's pray. Father, I pray in these next few moments, the Holy Spirit will do it only. You can do. bless your people, open their hearts, use me one more time. Jesus, in these next 28 minutes and 24 seconds, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Everyone say divine appointments. I'm going to talk at you. I'm going to to teach a little bit, and then I'm going to preach a little bit. And you know the difference between teaching and preaching? When I teach, I tell. When I preach, I yell. And so, just hang on. But I want to talk about divine appointments and some divine appointments that I've had in my life. And just kind of help you understand that the God we serve is not a God of chance, but he's a God of divine appointments. You're not here by accident. You thought you chose God, but what happened was God chose you. He loved you so much. He was seeking. Son of man seeking to save you. That's how you ended up coming to God. That's exactly how it works for every person on the planet. I'm 19 years of age, and my life is messed up. I'm living for myself. I'm selfish. It's all about Eugene. It's all about me, all about my happiness, about my fulfillment, about whatever my feelings, my emotions. It's all about Eugene. I'm living life totally for myself. I'm selfish. And I don't need. I don't know that I need a savior. I don't think I even want a savior. I don't. I know I don't want Jesus. I know I don't want him in my life. Nineteen years of age, living life for myself. And my grandfather, sixty-nine years of age, and he's dying of alcohol poisoning. My grandfather drank his whole life. He was a bad alcoholic, and he loved me. He was one guy in my life, but I, you know, he really did love me. I was, I was his favorite grandson. I was his only grandson, and. I mean, every, anything I wanted, he'd give me. When I, I needed a car, he'd buy me a car. I mean, anything I wanted, he really, he really did love me. And he really loved me unconditionally. When my parents kicked me out of the house because they couldn't handle me anymore, I went to live with my grandparents. And so my grandfather is, is dying. He's in a hospital room. He's dying. He's in a comatose state. His liver's shut down. His body's filled with fluids. And I go to the hospital. I go up to the elevator. Walk out of the elevator. And as I get out of the elevator, this nurse, she just turns. I've never seen this woman in my life before. She looks at me, and she says, you're Joseph Bliley's grandson, aren't you? And I said, Yeah. I'm looking at her like weird. This is weird, like spooky weird. I'm like, Yeah. She says, I want you to go in and see your grandfather because she goes, If you don't watch out, you're going to end up just like him. Whoa. Truth, exactly what happened. So I go in there, and I'm, I mean, you know, that's I'm 19 years of age, so I'm 47. That's a couple. Of, that's a couple of years ago, right? All right, a couple of years ago, and I'm like. That has never left me to this day i remember i can tell you i can smell it i I wouldn't know exactly what was happening what i was doing in my life i'll never forget it was a divine appointment that that never never left me and so about three years later i mean i really really was i wasn't seeking jesus i just knew my life needed to change i was miserable i'd done everything tried everything had everything it was i wasn't fulfilled i wasn't happy i was like julia roberts who's over in india doing humba bamba with some, you know, guru guy, still trying to find her happiness, like you two, I still haven't found it, you know, I still haven't found it now, or whatever their song is, you know, I was still searching, and I encountered Jesus, and my life is totally changed, I'm totally changed, fast forward a couple of years, I go to Bible college, my second year of Bible college, and I leave school, after two years, I got no idea what I'm supposed to do with my life, I got no idea, Laura and I met there, I knew I was supposed to do that, so we got married, and and uh, we were living in Arizona. And, and I started feeling like I was supposed to go back to school. So I started praying. I knew I wasn't going to go back to Portland. I didn't like it. I didn't want to be there. But my friend got married that summer. And so I went up to be in his wedding. And that, that summer, I went to a man who would become my mentor for these last 25 years. His name was Jack Loman. Well, his next-door neighbor, who becomes my pastor, Pastor Wendell Smith, were, they were at the house, and we're watching a football game. So I was the three of us, just three of us sitting there, we're watching this football game. And Wendell starts talking about what I'm going to do with my life. And so he says, what are you going to do with my, your life? And where are you going to go? And, and I'm like, uh, and I couldn't tell him I wasn't going to go back to Portland Bible College. I didn't feel like that's where God wanted me to go. And, and then he just says these words to me. He says, he goes, well, I'll tell you one place that I wouldn't go. He, he goes, I wouldn't go to such and such school. I'm like, whoa. Because what he didn't know was that was the school that my wife and I were getting ready to move from Tucson to that city to go to that school. He had no idea. I know the one of those, ooh, 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 you know, like spooky moments. Like, oh, wow. That's a divine appointment. I would say divine appointment. I mean, this is somebody I respect. He was a, man, he was, even at that time, he was a great leader, great pastor. Man, he spoke, you know, to thousands of young people across America when he said that, it just in my heart and knew that I wasn't supposed to go to that school. So I ended up going to Seattle, Washington. I don't even know how I made that turn from over here to Seattle, but City Church. You are sitting in City Church with a group of believers today because I went to Seattle, Washington. It was there that God showed me my destiny. It was there that I encountered God. He showed me what I was to do with my life. And that was to plant churches and to build churches and to raise up people for his glory, for his kingdom, and for his honor for all eternity. Come on, amen? Amen. So, so, okay, so divine appointment. That's good. Some of you here today got saved because this church is here. Some of you encountered Jesus like Zacchaeus because I did that. You had no idea that that's how it happened, but that's exactly what happened. Some of you really fell in love with Jesus for the first time. It's 20, you know, so I, you know, boom, boom. We'll fast forward real quick. Start this church. We're in the inner city of Seattle. And everyone say divine appointment man i was really struggling with like how to pray for people and did god want to heal people and all that kind of stuff all the kind of stuff all the questions cuz what we have is we have what the bible says and then we have our earthly experience and then sometimes those two don't match up real well and so we you know we're trying to figure it all out in our our minds cuz we're thinking earthly we're not thinking heavenly we're not thinking the way the bible thinks we're not thinking the way god thinks we're just looking at it through the natural prism and so i was really struggling and we're in the inner city and we're starting this church and i Knock on the door. And every Thursday and Friday, one of the things that I did every Thursday and Friday, I did visitation because I had a bus route. I picked up kids on Saturday and Sunday for church. I picked up the homeless. And so my route, I was knocking on doors on my visitation route. And this lady comes to the door and she says, oh, I'm so glad you're here. She goes, I haven't been able to sleep for three days. She says, she's a foster mom. She brought a child into her home. And this child was born addicted to crack cocaine and to heroin. And she had been asleep for three days, and she was, like, completely beyond herself. And she says, I need, you know, can you help me? Please do something for me. And you know, so I'm like, I don't know. What do you do? What, do what, what would you do? What would you do? You know, man of faith and power, woman of faith and power. Well, so I prayed, you know, like, you know, real, real, quiet, real quick prayer. I prayed a real quick prayer. Yeah, I prayed over her. And that was on Friday. And on Sunday, this lady shows up at the church, and this baby still had not slept and had been screaming. 24 hours a day for like all week long. And she had not slept. She's completely beyond herself. I preached that morning. Give an altar call. She walks up with this baby. It's true story. She walks up with this baby and she just sticks the baby in my hands. And she says, can your God do something for me? Here, do something. Have your God do something for my baby. That's exactly what she said. And so I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. You know, and I get some, guys. hey guys, let's pray. And I take this little baby in my hands and I just pray this really simple prayer. I just say, Jesus, man, I'm praying. I got my eyes, all my eyes closed, man. I'm, you know, praying. And Jesus, do something. And my heart is broken by this time. I'm completely broken. I'm praying. I could feel the compassion of Christ. We pray over this little baby. I hand the baby back to the mom. And guess what happens? The baby was totally healed. Come on, give God a great big hand. Totally healed. Well, that was a divine appointment because it just, it did something to me that, hey, I'm not the healer. I don't, it ain't a magic show. It ain't magic. Christ is the healer. He's the great physician. So God did something of faith in my life. Now, I'm going to fast forward real quick. It happened this weekend. This weekend, uh, Friday night, we're at this huge funeral. There's like 5,000 people, 4,500. It's a huge funeral, biggest funeral I've ever been to. And it's just awesome to worship People were giving, you know, the family testifying to God's goodness and what kind of pastor, what kind of father he was and husband. And, and before, right before the, it, the whole thing started, I was down in the front of the altar and there were a lot of pastors there. And this pastor who I've known for many years, but I've never talked to him, huge, huge, huge make church, he's standing down at the front. And so I just start talking to him. And you know what I found about really great people? What I found out about really great people is that they're really interested in you they're really interested in you. I mean, the bigger a man's church is, what I found generally, the more interested they are in other people. There's something about their life. And he just started talking to me about our church, and I was telling him what was happening, and we got three services on Sunday morning. We got two youth services on Wednesday night. We got a young adult service on Sunday God's doing. We got the small little campus. We really need God's wisdom for the next step. What does God want us to do for the next step? And so he just stopped, and he just took my hands, and he just started praying. And as he was praying, he prays like this, you know, he prays. He says, Lord, I just believe that you're going to give Eugene and Laura a building that seats at least a thousand people. And I'm like, oh my eyes. I was thinking eight hundred. He's like a thousand? I'm like, yes, and I could feel it. It was a divine appointment. Somebody believed in me. God believes in you. You know, I look at this story, and what I describe about the story is that the Savior it was really the Savior seeking after a sinner. You know, we think that we come to Jesus, and yeah, we respond, but it was Jesus the whole time that was pursuing Zacchaeus. Jesus was pursuing Zacchaeus. You've got to write this down. The Savior seeks sinners. That's His mission statement. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. My first encounter... My first encounter with this story was a little boy, and it was the song. Anybody know the song, Zacchaeus Was a Wee Little Man? Anybody want to come up here and sing it for us real quick? No. It, just sing it. Just humor me. Just sing Zacchaeus Was a little Wee Little Man. Do you guys know it? How many of you know that song, Zacchaeus Was a little Wee Little Man? All right. If you know it, just stand up. Just stand up. Come on. If you know it, stand up. Laura, help me out. We're going to sing. Let's sing this song together. Let's just sing it so you'll never forget this story, all right? And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in a tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Come on, let's give the choir a great big hand. Jesus... Jesus pursues a scoundrel, a snake in the grass, a schmuck. I mean, that's what this guy is. And in the Jewish culture, this guy was a schmuck. And he was a short schmuck at that. Really short. And Jesus went after him. Jesus sought the sinner because he loved people. He was passionate about them. I was a tax collector. And all the bad things, you can read all the history about it. But the fact is, Jesus said that this man's life was ruined and destroyed. That's what Luke 19.10 says. Luke 19.10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The word lost in the Greek means to be ruined. It means to be destroyed. It means to be wrecked. Jesus came to this man. You know why Jesus came to him? Because this man had a spiritual need. You have a spirit. Now, this man was a wealthy man, the guy Ted Williams that we saw. You can go on and watch the video clips, and they have an interview with his mom, and he meets his mom, and you know, and she's saying, "Well, God answered my prayers." She just gives all the glory to God. She says, "I prayed for my boy. God answered his prayers." You see, this morning, this morning, Jesus knows your condition. He sought after you. Maybe some of you today are Zacchaeus. Maybe some of you are Zacchaeus, but most in this room. You know, you've already experienced what Zacchaeus encountered. You already have experienced Jesus. And what happens the longer we serve Jesus, we just lose a sense of spiritual passion and sense of faith. Because this man's life was changed. It was radically changed. See, he had a spiritual need. And he needed a Savior. But he needed someone to tell him. Howard Hendricks, who's one of my favorite Bible teachers and a Promise Keeper speaker, said, In the midst of a generation screaming for answers, most Christians are stuttering. Bill Bright, whose organization Campus Crusade did studies all across Christendom around the world, found that only 2%, only 2%, less than 98% of believers actually share their faith with someone outside of faith. It's a challenge. Challenge, We're afraid. All these kinds of things come to our heart and our mind. But it's a lie. You see, what people really don't like, people don't like religion. People don't like religion. When people are introduced to Jesus, like Zacchaeus was, most people, when they're introduced to Jesus, something in them says, yes. And we're going to see it in Zacchaeus' life. I mean, Zacchaeus was sought by the Savior. The second thing that I want you to see is that Zacchaeus experienced that Jesus Cared for him. Jesus cared for him. Look at verse number five. The Bible says when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, this exact spot, the exact spot where he was at, Jesus was at. Divine appointment. Everyone say divine appointment. He had a divine appointment with Jesus. This is the really cool thing. Jesus called him by name. Jesus called him by name, Zacchaeus. You know the name Zacchaeus means pure. Zacchaeus names me pure, and he was anything but pure. One of my favorite passages in all the Bibles, is Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. And Isaiah 43, 1 says it like this Now the Lord says, Who created you, O Eugene, and he formed you, O Smith House. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by, ma- by name. You are mine. You know what? You don't need a name tag with God. He didn't forget your name. You know, one of the first things they teach you in sales, the first thing they teach you in sales or any kind of customer service is to ask for the person's name. And then you're supposed to use their name throughout the conversation. You know why? Because when people use your name in a conversation, it makes you feel what? Special. Because you're special. And when you use a person's name, it makes them feel special. And if you think about it, think about somebody that you respect. And they actually, you know, you you know their name, but you're not sure they know your name. And they actually remember your name. Like, their like respect meter just goes up when somebody that you barely know remembers your name. Why? Because it's your name. Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. He cared for him. He loved him. He loved him. Finding out people's names, discovering people's names. Reaching out to people that others have forgotten about. I had a great opportunity this week to meet one of my heroes. As a matter of fact, one of the greatest heroes that I've had in my life. I've never talked to my life before, and I got to talk to him. His name is Pastor Tommy Barnett. He pastors the Phoenix First Assembly of God in Phoenix, Arizona. And also, he started the LA Dream Center in Los Angeles, California. Church today, tens of thousands. His influence has gone all over the world. You're here today because Tommy preached a message back in 1990. And he said, when you go to the city and start a church, find the need and fill it. Find the hurt and heal it.
0: And your church
1: will always grow. God did something in me. I heard that. Find the need. Find the need and fill it. See, all of us have a need. Jesus cared for this man. Jesus cared for this man. He demonstrated it. But he also did something else. He developed a relationship with them. He said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, for I'm going to your house today. How many of you ever had anybody just invite themselves over to your house? Come on. And your house, like, was it clean? All right, think about it. I mean, if you just said, hey, pastor, I'm going to your house they I said, nah, I don't think I'm going to be home. I mean, Really? just show up at somebody's house? Not that he didn't show up. He said, hey, I'm coming over. All right. Well, what happened? Something about this man, Jesus, touched his heart. Something about this man, Jesus, was believable. Jesus really cared. He demonstrated he cared. And this is how we demonstrate that we care. There's three ways that we do it. First, we do it with time, by spending time with people, getting to know people. I don't care what the relationship is. I don't care if it's a marriage. I don't care if it's with your children. I don't care if it's the coworker. I don't care if it's a family member. I don't care who it is. The way that you build relationship is by spending time with them. There's no such thing as quality time, there's just time. You spend time with people. The second thing you do is you gotta use nice words. You gotta speak kind words. You gotta speak loving words. I mean, it's simple, but sometimes we forget this. When Jesus spoke to this man, he didn't speak to this man to condemn this man. John 3.17 says that Jesus didn't come into the world. For the Son of Man did not come into the world to, to, to condemn the world. But that through Him, the world might be saved. He didn't condemn people. This is what I know about sinners. This is what I knew when I was in sin. I didn't need somebody to tell me I was a sinner. Sinners sin. When you're lost, you don't know Jesus. You're not living your life for God. You know you're lost. You know it ain't. You know something's not quite right. There's always something you're trying to figure out. You're searching this relationship, that religion, this drug, this experience, that bed, whatever it is. People all over the world are doing it. Every planet on the earth, every nation on the, on the planet, they're doing it. Jesus spent time, and then Jesus demonstrated. Jesus did something. There was an action. Something happened. When Jesus shared with this man, I don't know what he said, because the Bible doesn't tell us, but something happened, in this Man's soul. And immediately, look at the Bible says in verse number 8 Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here, now I give you half my possessions. Now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. This man, too, is a son of Abraham. I can't remember what service I said this in, so. I'm going to say it again, if I've already said it, just humor me. Abraham. Abraham, the father of all faith, didn't have a written revelation of Jesus. But he met Jesus. Abraham had an experience. He lost his family. He lost his possessions. He went into battle. And the Bible says that, that, that Abraham got his soldiers together and went up and fought against his, uh, against his enemy. And he went up, and the Bible says that God helped him and he defeated his enemy. And the very first thing Abraham did was he offered God a tithe, gave God back a tithe. Whatever Jesus said to this man, he taught this man how to live, how to live the abundant life. And one of the signs that you are living the abundant life is that there's something in your heart that wants to change the way you're living. You want to change. You don't want to keep being the same person you've always been. And not that you're perfect, but God will set you on a pathway to bring restoration and wholeness and purpose to your life. Hear me today. Listen to me. Every person in this room, listen to me. Jesus. Jesus taught this man how to live, but he also taught him how to give. Something happened in his heart. He jumps up and he says, man, if I rip people off, I'm paying them back. I'm First, I'm giving Half my goods are the poor, and then if I've ripped off, and you know what, as a tax collector, he ripped a lot of people off. He was a shyster, he was a criminal, he took advantage of people. It was all about Zacchaeus up to this point until he meets Jesus. And then something happens. His life changes. So, what does this mean to you? What does this mean to you today? What does this mean to us as a church? The first thing is that we believe that Jesus is able to take a nasty crook and turn him into a new creation. In our city, in every city, every place on the planet, there are people who need Jesus. Jesus turned a nasty crook into a new creation. Jesus took a demented demoniac and he made him into a devoted disciple. Jesus took a, a woman who was a woman of the night and turned her into a worshiping warrior. And Jesus took the chief of sinners, Eugene Smith. And he made him into a son. And that's what he wants to do for every person. Jesus wants to do that for every person in the city. He loves people. See, for the people that were around Zacchaeus, there is no way. People that knew him, they didn't like him. They didn't respect him. They didn't appreciate him. They didn't care if he had money. He was a bad guy. They were intimidated by him and they only did for him what they had to do under the compulsion of prison and jail. They didn't like this guy. But Jesus changed this man's heart. See, Jesus was a lover of souls and he was a generous giver. Everyone saw Zach as a mean, dirty, rotten old guy. Jesus saw him as a man who needed a savior. This week, This week, our church has been challenged. The truth this morning, the truth this morning, the truth this morning is that God isn't interested in people buying fire insurance. God wants people to change their life. God wants people to have an encounter with Jesus. God wants people to know the Savior. He doesn't want people to know a politician. It's not about politics. It's not about right or left. It's about Jesus today. People are so confused in the church today. What I've discovered is that most people, if they really get introduced to Jesus, they'll love Jesus. They will love Jesus. Because Jesus, Jesus is truth. Jesus is the way to a life, the right life. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the only way. You know, we as a church have a challenge. We have a challenge before us. God's given us a mission to bring His love to the city one person at a time. I'm going to challenge us today. I've asked Kenny Hallam to come because I believe we're going to pray over you and we're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to ask God to release a passion in our heart for people, for lost people, people don't know Jesus. I want to introduce you to a man. I've been doing pastoral ministry as a full-time servant of God for 21 years and I've never met a person like Kenny Hallam. I've never met a person who has invited so many people to church. And I want you to give Kenny Hallam a great big hand this morning. Welcome to the City Church stage. Kenny. I have something in my hand. What, is that? what do I have in my hand? Card. You have an invite card or an touch card. Is that right? And uh, do you have an invite card on you right now? I just, I carry them with you. And you carry invite cards with you all the time. You can't give them out if you don't have them. So tell me, um, you've invited a couple of people to church, right? A couple, Several people, lots of people. All right, Dave, thanks. Why don't you hold that you've invited lots of people to church, right? Yes. And has anybody, you invited them to church, has anybody like punched you in the face? No anybody ever kicked you on the knee? No. Anybody ever cursed at you? No. Anybody told you to get lost? No. no. Why don't you tell me kind of how you do it and what has generally been the experience when you invite somebody to church? Um, if I'm in a class, in school, or if I'm in a store or at work, if I see somebody and I, just, I try to talk to everybody, and anybody I can, and invite. And it's not always the first time they come. It's not always the second time they come. It might take a whole semester. It might take a whole year. It might take a whole month but they usually end up coming. I, I'd say 9 out of 10 people that I've invited have nine shown up. 9 out of 10 people have come at least to one service. Have at least come to one service. Wow. Whether they stay or not, that's what happens when they come here. You know, it's, it's I can invite, but it takes us to love them. and It, it takes us, us to, to make them feel welcome Show and to get them connected. That's, good. that's so good. You know, Kenny, I, not, and you know, we, we boast, Jesus says, our boast is, is within the sphere of influence that God has given us, and God's given you a sphere of influence, and I know you've been at school, invited people. I know you're at the grocery store. I heard somebody said that you were over at CC's Pizza, and you invited every single person in CC's Pizza to church. They couldn't believe. It. This is the real deal right here, man. And it, really, and it really wasn't that hard, was it? No, it's not. It really wasn't that hard. Just invite. All you have to do is ask. Just yeah. ask. You just have to ask. Yeah. You know, in the Bible, there was a tree that lifted Zacchaeus up, So that he could see Jesus. There was a tree. The Bible says that you are trees of righteousness. And at City Church, God has given us a mandate to be trees. And lift people up so that they can see Jesus. We can't save them. We can't heal them. We can't make them come to church. But we can invite them to church. Some of you are in this church today because Kenny invited you. Some of you are here today because one man, he just believed. Because his life's been changed. Kenny has a testimony of God's grace and love. But as a church, there's a couple things that's going to happen right now. First thing, I'm going to ask you right now. I'm going to ask you right now to pray that God would give you a divine appointment this week. This week. Just, it ain't complicated. I mean, you had at a restaurant. You just, hey, you know, our church is having this really awesome drama production. I'd love to have you come. It's really cool. Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, seven o'clock. You can come, it'd be awesome. I mean, it's really but you gotta ask God. You know, one of the prayers that Jesus answers every single time. If you get up in the morning and say, Jesus, help me to open my mouth to say that God loves you to someone. Every single time you pray that prayer, it's answered. I've never had a time in my life where I prayed that prayer in the morning and asked God to use me to be a divine appointment, that God didn't give me an opportunity. It happens every time. Every time. It's 100%. You want, how many of you want your prayers answered 100%? Oh, come on. You want 100% answer prayer? Well, you pray that prayer. to get answered every time. Every time. We're going to invite. We're going to invite people to come to Jesus. We're going to be the trees. We're going to lift them up. We're going to pray. The second thing that I'm going to ask you to do in two weeks, Sunday morning, we're going to bring all the workers. We're going to pray. We've been handing out cards for the next two weeks we're going to pray over every person in the production and the drama. We're going to believe. Oh, I don't know. We can only see, you know, we cram 200 in here, 180 legally. You know, we'll get, we ain't going to say how many we put in here, a couple, you know, sometimes. But, but every seat's going to be full because God's going to use you to be a divine appointment in someone's life. And there's nothing like being used by God. It's the most exciting thing in the world be used of God to fulfill His purpose in your life. And the purpose of God in your life, the mission that God has called you to, the mission that God has called you to, is to care for other people.
0: Thanks for listening to this message, Return to Church, Part Two, Divine Appointments with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlando or call 407-321-9600